Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at Men, the new Alex Garland feature from A24. We're also watching Top Gun, the 1986 movie. Uh, Top Gun Maverick comes out next week. We thought, why not go back? Why not take a look at Tony Scott's seminal classic, uh, the film that really, uh, I guess, I guess was the breakthrough for Tom Cruise, right? That was his... That was the one, I think. Top Gun was the one that put him on the map. Uh, Why not go back and take a look? So that's what we did. Uh, We are going to talk about some upcoming trailers, some exciting things that are coming to theaters soon. But first off, we need to get to the news. And our first story this week, Stan Lee is making a triumphant comeback in Marvel features thanks to a new deal with Genius Brands and POW Entertainment Licensing. Uh, This is kind of an odd story for those who may be out of the loop. Stan Lee passed away. A while ago, uh, and and while he was, you know, known for creating a lot of the Marvel Comics lore, really Marvel Comics as a whole, and also appearing in Marvel films uh, uh, via, like, short cameos, it appears now via some digital restructuring or something like that, they're going to start putting him back in them. A- Andy, what's going on in the story? No no one's ever really gone. Yeah, apparently not, 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 well, not the House of Mouse, by God, that's right. Well... Uh, like you said, uh, deal has come together to use the likeness, which is both the uh, everything from the look, the feel, the voice of Stanley to use in uh, action figures, on rides, voiceover in films, anywhere you can put a product, you can, <laughs> you can use him. So um, he might be making a you know digital appearance in upcoming Marvel films. This this sounds, I think pretty bad and there's a way it could it could be really like kind of ugly there's a way to put stan lee in movies that i think is tasteful and there's a way to do it poorly doing it poorly would be like poor cgi recreation clumsy whatever kind of stick them in weird spots and and overuse Stanley doing it well would be like having his face on like a newspaper in the background or something or like having a little cartoon version of him on like a paper ad in a scene like on a billboard like there, there's a way to like I think tastefully do it so you know <laughs> I don't know what do you what do you figure the odds are that's what's happening here because I think the headline is really uh you know uh, overblown potentially yeah it it's just uh we don't we'll We'll look to see what this looks like, the way he's kind of brought back. Um, it just kind of feels kind of icky, though. Let the man yeah. die. <laughs> yeah, it, it it definitely, reading this article out of Hollywood Reporter, like it definitely seems like his family did not. I, there's nothing in here that's like, Stan Lee's wife and kids are excited about this deal. <laughs> like, it's, it's very business. It's very, this brand signed this thing with Marvel to do this, so... I don't know. I haven't heard any like dissenting opinions from it seems like close relatives or or, or pe- members of his estate, I should say. Um, but Stanley's going to be in Marvel movies again, so so hold on to your hats. Uh, our next story out of the box office this week: Doctor Strange Two beats Downton Abbey sequel uh, as older ad- adults appear to continue to be skittish about going back to the movies. Andy, is it because of COVID, or is it because Downton Abbey just isn't all that hot? What do you think? It's a little bit of both. Uh, older adults, uh, meaning those over 40 and especially those over 50, have been very reluctant to return uh, to the theater. Uh, the first Downton Abbey made $30 million on its opening weekend. It was a, kind of a big surprise, and it was generated or supported by the the over 50 crowd. Uh, this made about half that much, came in at $16 million, uh, for the weekend, and while it was about 50%, uh, the audience was uh, 50 and over. Uh, it's still 
it's still not a, quite as strong as we'd like, especially for these films aimed at older adults. Uh, of course, Do- Doctor Strange, he wanted to say Doctor Strange Love. Uh, Doctor Strange uh, came in at 31 million, but also surpassed 800 million globally. It's now the second biggest opening uh, of the pandemic era after Spider Man Noah ha- Home. <laughs> yeah, uh, which, you know, Marvel's going to continue crushing it, and, and we're just going to keep making Marvel movies. But. Uh, the Downton Abbey story is unique because I, I guess I thought this wasn't going to be as much of a problem. Looking at the success of something like, I don't know, The Lost City, it seemed like, okay, like kind of kind of mid-range adults are heading back to the, you know, middle-aged adults are going back to the theater. Uh, but then you can look at the failure of something like uh, Death in the Nile, Kenneth Branagh's latest feature, uh, that, that really underperformed. And watching the Downton Abbey 2 trailer... Um, that was kind of the vibe I got. I know I'm not in the target audience or anything. I know there's a lot of t- television shows. I know they've had one or two movies from Downton Abbey now, but it just seemed like, you know, this is going to be something, you know, older, fo- the, the, the older crowd's going to go see, right? They're not going to have much teenagers running into Downton Abbey too. There's not going to be a lot of memes about Downton Abbey too. So <sighs> memes talk and Dr. Strange has memes. <laughs> They're going to continue having success, I suppose. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Again, these films a- aimed at older crowds that used to do pretty good business um, pre-pandemic. Uh, they just haven't. I don't know if it's COVID fears or just you know people have just. I think people have also just gotten very very comfortable not leaving their houses. Yeah, it just seems like if you're going to spend the money to go to a theater now, you're going to do it on something big, right? You're going to go big budget. You're going to want to see something that's like some big fancy feature and not like you know bold cinema, not people just talking in rooms in rooms. So. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That that is that isn't anything that that couldn't wait for um you to see on the small screen at home. Yeah, uh, no, and 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 the fact that people aren't willing to go see art house stuff is 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 a bit surprising considering our next story. Uh, Rita Moreno, star of West Side Story, is going to be joining the Fast and Furious universe as Vin Diesel's grandmother in Fast X. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, stellar casting uh, from Universal on the new Fast and Furious movie. Andy, hot takes on Rita Moreno. This is so great. Anytime they add a ca- new cast member, it's always like it's just upping like the clown show that is Fast and, and the Furious. I keep saying it like SNL needs to do like a West Side Story fa- Fast and Furious crossover sketch uh, something here. Yeah. Um, when that finally comes out, it. I mean, she she was great in in um, West Side Story. She was nominated for supporting actress. Uh, she'll be fine. It'll be interesting to see what kind of role she plays. Um, I mean, casting anyone as as his is it mother or grandmother? Uh, grandmother. Yeah, it would be an interesting role to to do. So, and I mean, she's like eighty nine or eighty, yeah. something like that. How like, how old is Vin Diesel supposed to be in the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies? Because the idea of this man's grandmother like up and about driving fast cars and showing up in films is is outrageous. Like. But, but whatever. It's like, it's like a soap opera. There's always just people coming out of the woodwork that are gotta, related to it. They're digging so deep for family. They're like tapping the grave, right? Like, got to hit up the grandmother. That's that's who we should get in here. Uh, for what it's worth, good for Rita Moreno, man. Like, why not? She, was in, she did New West Side Story. She's going to get a paycheck from Universal. Shoot, she'll probably be on set for like four days, right? It's not going to be a big part or anything. Like... Good for her. It'll be that'll be great. I mean, it might be a big part, but it'll be it'll be simply filmed because she's older. She'll probably sit in a chair half of it. Like, great, you know, like that. 
shoot. <laughs> why why not introduce her to the fast universe? Like at this point, it's wheels off. You're right, they should make an SNL sketch. <laughs> it's a crossover between West Side Story and Fast and Furious. Like um, um any anything can happen. The most imaginative series in Hollywood, right? Yeah, I mean it's just a big circus, and they added Jason Momoa. I think he's the, he's the he's the villain, I guess, for the the upcoming one. Yes. Um, so why why not? You know, kind of who else would you? Yeah. You know, uh, Matt, Maggie uh, Dame Maggie Smith could could be it. Although you already have Helen Mirren in there. So, yeah, and, and and Charlize Charlize Theron's in for at least the next one, probably the next two. Man, the fat the fast universe continues to grow. Uh, keep it here on off script for more about Fast X. We will continue covering this exciting bit of cinema right up until the very end. Uh, but for now, we need to get to our first episode, our first review of the episode. Excuse me. Uh, Andy's agreed to take the summary on this unique feature. <laughs> <laughs> Last week we watched uh, Ex Machina. Leading up to this, Alex Garland's first feature film. Uh, we have covered covered his second film, Annihilation, on the show. But now we're excited to talk about his third movie that's now in theaters. Andy, please take it away. Men. Hello. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe. Yes. Harper. Yes. Do come in. So this is the latest film from Alex Garland, as we said uh, before, did Annihilation and Ex Machina. Uh, it stars Jesse Buckley as Harper, who is uh, a woman who goes out to the English countryside for uh, a couple of weeks vacation, get away from the city. Um, we know from the trailer, it appears her her significant other has uh, died by suicide. And so she's kind of out in the country, collecting her thoughts, trying to just get away from it all, um, go over what happened uh but things get strange right away uh as soon as she arrives she meets uh joffrey played by roy kinnear who's a very strange kind of uh socially awkward host he he hosts the the airbnb or, or bed and breakfast rather um and it, it's a nice big estate there's it's out in the country it's very homely there's a, you know a small village and, and pub nearby lots of nature um Things get, like I said, things get strange right away. She starts wandering, take going on hikes, and it seems like someone is following her, some strange uh, person out in the distance, a kind of the shadowy figure um, that's kind of coming closer and closer to uh, where she lives. It's a little bit of a thriller, a little bit of psychological horror, a lot going on in this movie. Um, Zach, what'd you think? So... Alex Garland, I don't think, is a director I typically might have come across had it not been for, like, off script. He's he, he's a bold cinema kind of director, I think. Uh, and it, it's it's interesting to go see his third movie not really knowing what to expect, right? He's a little like an Ari Aster or a, uh, gosh, uh, director of The Green Knight. I can't recall his name. Uh, David, some or another. Uh, he, he's unique. He's not tour, right? He's kind of doing his own thing. And so he fits right in kind of the A24 mold of doing like a horror movie that's going to be surreal and maybe a little abstract. Um, Men <laughs> presents itself uh, as just that in the trailer. It's it's going to get a little weird. Um, and it doesn't disappoint. <laughs> I don't think. I'm still kind of working over how I feel about this movie. I think I like it. I, I think I like it. Um, but I've read some dissenting opinions, uh, and I'm interested to talk about it without being too spoilery, I think. So, 
uh, where do you want to jump in, jump in on this, Andy? Um, Ooh, geez, there's, well, there, there's a lot going on. It's very intense. Uh, I wasn't real sure what to, th- what to think from the, the trailer. Um, it d- doesn't, it's kind of mysterious. Doesn't reveal much. Uh, we, we know that again, uh, Harper is dealing with the, the passing, uh, the very violent passing of, of her, uh, husband. And that's a lot what the film is about. It's about her dealing with, that trauma and i i think um as much as it is not her fault she still feels like guilty and responsible for even though like her husband is revealed to be very kind of disturbed and also very uh toxic he's he's blaming her i mean he threatens her he's like i will kill myself if we get divorced kind of thing um it's a very unhealthy relationship that she's in but I, i think she still kind of feels uh, responsible. There's a lot of of religious Im- imagery in this film, but it's kind of subversive. It like there's allusions to uh, you know Adam and Eve, uh, Garden of Eden, uh, Christ on the cross. Uh, but it's yeah. it doesn't mean what it usually does. Generally, when you when there's like you know allusions to crucifixion, it's about martyrdom or you know self sacrifice, and that's not really the uh, the case in in this. It's kind of turns it on those head what these things mean so that's a really interesting part of this film yeah uh you're absolutely right another bit of 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 imagery in this movie that i didn't put together until i was reading another review earlier today uh the green knight which is directed by david lowry that director i was talking about earlier also appears in this movie uh there's this kind of a facade of him uh in in a church (laughs) which is kind of funny but i think that's ties to english church whatever the church in this movie has, has anyway um yeah, looking at men, I, I wasn't sure how exactly uh, Alex Garland was going to go about grouping, uh, you know, men into kind of one overarching theme for a film. I, was, I wasn't sure how exactly that was going to happen, especially since in this film, uh, Rory Kinnear plays the majority of the men in the film. Uh, he, he, he dons makeup and outfits, uh, a little CGI at times, uh, to, to have him play multiple men in this village. Uh, everybody that Jesse Buckley's character is interacting with is played by Rory Kinnear, save for just a couple of other people. Very small cast, like six or seven people. Um, and, 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 and I think that... <laughs> It just kind of goes to show how silly that was of me to think that I didn't understand. How how could you make all of these men seem the same when they're all played by the same actor? It's kind of right there in its face. Uh, men uses man, 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 manhood and max masculinity as as kind of the the oppressive horror for our young female. Uh, similar to kind of like Jordan Peele using a little bit of you know, racism and Get Out and and us. Like using using like the the horrors of prejudice and oppression like as something uniquely frightening for our audience is clever and men follows in those same footsteps, uh, but it's uniquely much more English. <laughs> it's much more patient. British. Yes, and and it's much more grounded, at least through its first couple of acts, uh, and it does start to really move in Act Three. Um, yeah, and, it's and, very. Yeah. It's very much. Uh, it starts off kind of like a uh, in invasion uh, standard kind of thriller. She's you know she's out in the woods. There's a strange person uh, she sees in the distance, kind of coming after her. They seem to be closer. Uh, home invasion is the genre I was thinking of, and and we get a little bit of that. So it starts off like kind of a standard movie that we've seen before, and kind of morphs into this psychological surrealist. 
uh, horror, very much in the vein of, uh, well, actually, what we saw the last thing that we watched with Jesse Buckley, uh, I'm thinking of ending things, being John Malkovich, Eternal Sunshine, yeah. Charlie Kaufman, New York. yes, yeah, like Great. these kinds of things not taking place in reality, but that are very metaphorical. Is about where it goes about halfway through. Yes, and and it's funny because like I've been reflecting on that because it start it does start it starts to get surreal. <laughs> it's later part it starts to get a little abstract. Um, but really, like from the trailer, it's pretty obvious that things are abstract, right? Like all these people are played by the same guy, and the main character doesn't doesn't seem to notice or care. Um, it it's it's surreal from the start, but like I, for some reason, men kind of draws you in, and I think the reason it does that is because of its its suspense suspense and its tension uh alex garland is very good at drawing out suspense quentin tarantino used to say suspense is like pulling a rubber band really tight on screen right till it's just about to pop and then just holding it and just waiting for like that that tension to snap like a like, like a twig and and alex garland does that really well in the first hour of this movie uh, uh jesse buckley is this wonderful young woman who's walking around uh you know the english countryside bring herself out and you're right she she finds this guy he follows her back and it's it's spooky man it's eerie she's like running through the woods the, the, the music's like real good and then additionally you get these wonderful scenes where she's reflecting on her time with her husband and like it's 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 beautifully shot beautifully scripted really tense scenes like really good stuff every time it cuts back to one of those you're really tuned in um once that all has to kind of come to a head in its climax, uh, it takes a turn for the weird. And, and I think that's where a lot of people have been getting lost on this movie. Um, cause a lot of the, a lot of the bad reviews I've seen have said, Alex Garland's gone too far. It's, it's too weird. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, it's too strange for me, you know, and he, and, and he, and he lost the plot and he's just, he's just beating, beating the theme of the film over the audience's head in the third act. I don't know if that's true. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? Like, it is. I, it is pretty extreme. I would say this probably his most extreme film. He he yeah. deals with, um, he deals with these themes of of kind of the relationships between men and and women. In it's kind of a theme in all of his films or his last three at least, um, and that that's a similar theme here. And this is probably his most, again, it's his most surreal, most intense, most extreme. It's definitely the pendulum swinging pretty far to one side. Um, that's fine with me. Like I'd like to see like this, the weirder, the better. Uh, I can see how a lot of people that you might lose them. He might need to swing back a little bit. Uh, yeah, man. More, tor more towards uh, the center. But, but, you know, I always appreciate someone going for it, seeing something different, seeing something that's like, Wow, that that was a uh, uh, kind of crazy. Yeah, and, and I I think that additionally goes for uh, the script. Like it, it most of the film focuses on uh, Jesse Buckley's character. I, I Harper is her name, right? Harper's Harper. Most of the film focuses on on Harper's like feelings of guilt about her husband's untimely demise. Like, and most of that is is like put on her, and that's what she carries. But later in the film, like as the film starts to coalesce around this idea of, of, of masculinity being like this genuinely oppressive force in a woman's life, it stops so much being about like her guilt and turns into just kind of this like meditative think piece on uh, 
the the oppression of 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 man and masculinity on women and children and 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 feeble you know like it, it just it shifts a little bit and i think yeah like that that step away from this like core kind of like oppressive guilt that harper's feeling into something larger and a bigger theme makes like it the, the audience kind of falls off the they just fall off the wagon. It's just like, hold on, you, you lost me a little bit. And and you combine that with um, some really outstanding visuals, a bit of body horror, um, a bit of body horror, uh, a little bit of body horror uh, in, in Act 3. And like, it's just people fall off and they say, this is too weird. This is too much. It's weird because, yeah, this is the director of this is the director of Annihilation, right? This is the guy who had a screaming bear pig thing. <laughs> like, Man bear pig. And, and people that turned into trees and like, yeah, like Annihilation was wild. But this this is a step past that. Like this, he he's really leaning in here. Yeah, it, it's definitely like, like you said, it, it's his most extreme and his other work is based on previous works like Annihilation is based on a novel a set of novels Ex Machina I think was based on a short story uh, so that's I think his first kind of original screenplay and you're exactly right it has these themes of um, as cliche as it is to say toxic masculinity or these different kind of male uh, archetypes that are problematic to to everyone you know to to the women in involved in the story to the children to other men in, in the story we know the uh the main character or kind of the first man we meet uh jeffrey uh is he's socially awkward but he's also just kind of a timid thing and there's a section where he he's like well i'm gonna go fight whatever this is out in the the yard hope nothing bad happens to me and it's like uh, my dad said i was not cut out for the military but here i go i'll gonna prove it wrong you know that that's like it's a very like toxic mindset that is just hurting oh, other men. Yeah, so. j- just just the sentence. My dad said I wasn't cut out for the military. It's like father expectations, military service, honor. Like it's yeah, like it it really you yeah. could really start to pick it apart. And, and yeah, I've seen people say it's just it's not that deep, and it acts like it's deeper than it is. And I don't I don't think that's true. It's I, pretty I think, it's pretty deep. I yeah, say, I, I I think men respects its audience. I do. Like I think Alex Garland thinks you're 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 a pretty smart individual sitting in the cinema, and he wants to approach you with something interpretive. Like it, uh, it's it's. I don't know. I, I guess I just it, it, it does it it feels so ungrounded by the time you get to the credits. You're just like, I don't know what lessons I'm supposed to take away from that exactly. At least that's what some people seem to feel. I I I, I feel like I understood the oppressiveness of the emotion he's trying to portray. It's a horror film, right? Like what what is scary about masculinity? Well, there's a lot of things actually. Like and and wrapping that into a a kind of body horror, part slasher, part thriller package, um, it's kind of neat. Like I, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad movie. I really don't. Right. I, I mean, this, like I said, the movie is heavily, heavily uh, metaphorical. Um, he could have done this in, in a very grounded way. Uh, if he had wanted to, like he, instead of having all these different characters played by the same actor, he could have had them all played by different ones and all rep- still represent different facets or aspects of, of masculine culture. Um, but, you know, he chooses to go this much more extreme surreal uh, uh approach and it's 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 just kind of a different film for that and and i agree agree like the it's challenging for the audience um i wanted to mention there's also a number of allusions to classical literature the uh there's references to the odyssey and the iliad um possibly dante's inferno the bible is as well so that's an, another thing that he kind of wants you to get thinking of uh while you're watching the movie 
Yeah, Alex Garland uh, is is definitely a writer first and director second, and and that I noticed that looking through the uh, trivia for Ex Machina last week, uh, but to get ready for the show, um, he, there's a lot of literary and cultural references in Ex Machina, from like paintings in the background to like quotes from characters. Like, there's a ton of stuff going on in there, and it seems like this movie is in the same boat. I, there's not much out there now as far as trivia goes. I couldn't even find the exact budget this but i know it was small because there's not a lot of people in it and for what it's worth the cast is excellent i don't know if we've actually said that yet uh roy kinnear does a fantastic job of playing a number of different individuals a few of which who look genuinely different from one another some of them they yeah. like it run together but like a couple of them the, the his vicar character versus like freddie yeah like very, very different um jesse buckley's a delight she needs more work <laughs> i don't she's great i don't mean for her to get to the mainstream but like my god she's she's gonna get caught up in the charlie kaufman weird like she'll, be, she'll get she'll get thrown in a marvel movie eventually. yeah she's gonna be the uh the felicia day of a24 films if she's not careful like she's never gonna get out of it uh so so everybody's good in this movie um i don't know any other thoughts for recommendations i i, I don't the, the music's good i don't know i, I don't really <laughs> i don't have any other large musings i think um other yeah, than i, I think i actually recommend you watch it annie would you recommend men I went to certain audiences. Um, it's pretty intense. Uh, it's pretty. It has a lot of graphic violence uh, in the third act. Uh, so I, I would be very careful who I recommended to to this. Uh, like I appreciated the movie a lot. I'm not sure if I would see it again just because I know. I think I got it the first time. Uh, so would recommend it to some audiences. Uh, maybe save it for for streaming. Um, which it'll probably hit relatively soon. It's not going to be a big movie uh, at all. But um, so recommendations with, with some hot caveats, I think. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat. Like, I I, I think I liked Man. I'm, I'm still kind of working through it. There's there's parts of it that I really enjoyed. Um, but I don't know who to recommend it to. You, you got to be a certain kind of individual to want to see what's going on in Act 3 here. Like, it's it's pretty it's pretty gruesome. And if you're watching it at home, you might just be like, dude, no. <laughs> Like I'm getting on my phone. I can't stand this. Uh, watching in the theater was a bit of a challenge. Uh, so you should know going in, it is a, uh, a some body horror in the third act. It's pretty pretty gory. Yeah, just just be ready for it. And uh, I don't know. I, I can't say I would recommend this to like all the ladies if that's if that's what anybody was looking for. I don't think men is like the perfect feature to take your girlfriend to. Far from it, actually. Uh, unless she really likes bold cinema. Um, but it's a good Alex Garland movie, I think. Like, I, I'm not going to reflect on this poorly. This is not going to be on the worst of the year list. Like, it's pretty good. So, yeah, I guess I'd recommend it. I just, I, God, to, to those of you who, who, who choose to pursue bold cinema, right? To, to the people who saw, like, Drive My Car and Moria. <laughs> see Neon Demon. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only God forgives. Like, you're... If you're into the kooky stuff, you're gonna like men. But like, if you're just looking for kind of a mainstream horror, I you're you, I don't know, man. It may not do it for you. Uh, with that, we need to jump into our next segment. Uh, gonna be taking it easy this week with some upcoming trailers, exciting things that are gonna be coming to theaters near you soon that we think you should know about. Andy, what's the title of this segment? It's time for the trailer park. <laughs> Uh, first up, Andy's going to take it away with uh, 
you know, I'm I'm excited to talk about this one. Actually, I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you got this on here, Andy. Please tell tell us what this is. All right, our first trailer is called Bros, and this is a uh, gay rom com that I've heard a, a lot of buzz about. Written by Billy Eichner, also starring uh, Billy Eichner as as the main person. I I couldn't tell the tra- the trailer is really meta because it's a person you know talking about writing uh, a gay rom com, uh, but I'm not sure if that's necessarily the the plot point. Anyways, it looks really funny. Uh, Billy Eichner's uh, funny. He, if you've seen him like Billy on the Street or some of his other stuff, it's uh, great comedian. And uh, this was kind of a big deal because it's going to be. I don't. It doesn't shy away from its subject matter, and it's very. It looks very fun, fun and funny, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Zach, what do you think? Uh, I'm very excited to see Bros. Bros looks like bold cinema. Like it, it looks like bold cinema coming to a theater near you, which doesn't happen every day. So when it does happen, I think people should get get off their you know get out of their seats and go see it. Assuming it's, it's assuming it's good stuff, but we obviously do recommendations at the end. But uh, Bros looks like a lot of fun. It looks really different. It looks really different, and I'm excited to see it. I I love the trailer just addressing this head on and being like. <laughs> gay people and straight people are different and that's what this movie is about and that's okay and we should celebrate those differences like that's very exciting typically the typically movie theaters just play it safe right typically you got uh, two rebels kissing in the in the background in a disney movie instead of like anything being up front and being personal and trying to be honest i think billy eichner's a great writer uh, nicholas stoller previously has directed neighbors neighbors Two, uh, uh forgetting sarah marshall uh, you know, it, it, it could be good. Could be, could be decent stuff. If I didn't know any better, I'd say it might even be great. So we'll have to see what bros is about when it comes out in, uh, September, September 30th. So yeah, our next trailer, uh, from the, <laughs> from the mad mind, uh, behind mad max, George Miller. Uh, this is 3000 years of longing. Uh, this job just last week, it is a really odd looking trailer. Uh, there's a lot of imaginative things happening. Uh, the, the IMDB rundown is this. A lonely scholar on a trip to Istanbul discovers a jinn who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. Our lonely scholar is played by Tilda Swinton, a world-class alien, and uh, our, our jinn is played by Idris Elba with some some makeup and some goofy uh, ear prosthetics. This seems to be a, a a dreamlike experience. What was that review for for uh, Wes, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch? A, a free wheel through a, an imaginative free wheel through a teeming bazaar. That's what this movie looks like <laughs> from from George Miller. Uh, this is what he's doing in between Mad Max Fury Road and his next Mad Max movie Furiosa. God willing, he makes it. Uh, Andy, what do you think? I'm intrigued by it. It looks a, li- a little bizarre. Uh, I love Tilda Swinton. I uh, love it. Just Elba, George Miller, of course, genius b- behind Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, if if his name wasn't attached to this, I don't think I would be that into it because it just it kind of seems bizarre. And, and from the, the description is them basically talking about like the world or future or whatever. And it looks like a whole lot of like, well, this happened in, you know, 2000 years ago when someone else got their three wishes. There's a whole lot of that. Uh, the costumes look great. Like a lot of big set pieces. I just don't, I don't really know what the film's going to be uh, about. Other than I assume Till Swinton gets, to do her three wishes and something probably goes wrong at some point. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to it because it's a, a George Miller product. Yeah. It's an hour 48. That's the runtime listed on IMDb. It costs $60 million to make. Well, who knows? Might, might be something. 
uh, coming up next, we have uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. The most awkward <laughs> name for a franchise ever. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning is cool, but they just had to add Part 1 because this is going to be a two-parter. I love typing it. I, I I was putting it in the show notes. And uh, yeah, Mission Impossible, apostrophe, Dead Reckoning, hashtag Dead Part 1. It's like, oh my God, it's great. Very excited about this. Go ahead. Right, so this trailer dropped uh, just yesterday or earlier this week. Um, probably not coincidence that a Top Gun Maverick comes <laughs> comes out this week as well. We don't really get a whole lot of plot. We see a bunch of action scenes. We see Tom Cruise and the gang uh, on horses and car chases and fights with some uh, you know Bond villain esque uh, voiceover from a guy that was in the very first Mission Impossible film. Uh, you know, and, and it's cliche like uh, the will we will control what the world sees as truth and you need to pick a side and it, it, we get zero story or plot from uh, this trailer. It's basically a bunch of action scenes. Uh, Tom Cruise actually looking age appropriate uh, for a change um, and, and him doing some some stunts as well. Looks really cool. Uh, uh, we're just not given a whole lot of plot. So I'm. I, I, I'm definitely ironically excited for Top Gun, or for Top Gun Maverick. Sorry, I'm definitely ironically excited for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Like Twitter has, has has gotten me to a point where I'm like, how could I not be excited? It's functionally like a James Bond movie, except more people will go see it. Like, and and it might have more cool stunts. So like, how could I not be excited to go see Mission Impossible Seven? I'm not caught up on all of them, but it's really cool to see Henry Cerny back as Eugene Kittridge, uh, Kittridge, the guy from the first one. Who's 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 nice and nice and weird? Yeah, they have a little face off in this trailer. I'm excited he's back. You got lots of stunts. You got the classic Tom Cruise running in the trailer. Like that's got to be there. And uh, you got Tom Cruise doing small magic again from <laughs> from from the first uh, from the first Mission Impossible. He does he, he does a thing where he makes a, a key a key disappear in the trailer appear with with sleight <laughs> of hand like. Sure, Mission Impossible's back, baby. Like, get your popcorn, go to the movie, get, buy the buy the D box seats. You're gonna be doing backflips in the front row. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, who who can be excited for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning? Yeah. Uh, this is coming out in July, right? July of 2023. Mid. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> 2023. That's a year. What? That's a year away. Like, what are we gonna do till then? Yeah. It's not even July now. <laughs> it's well, may like, they're advertising this 14 months ahead of time i didn't know that ah oh, yeah 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 this is not anytime soon which means part two well, will come out in 2024 well i was excited like never never mind all those all those nice things i said i take it back it's garbage i guess i'll have to watch top gun in the meantime which is out next week all your hype will be lost it's yeah apparently Tears i the guess they, so they're gonna drop a big clip during the super bowl right they'll do like two more trailers and they'll do like a final trailer like towards the last couple months they're gonna run in front of everything oh yeah is mission impossible dead reckoning part one is going to be the heat for a minute and hopefully in the meantime they're making part two uh last our last trailer we need to talk about is the new netflix feature coming in july uh the gray man the gray man is the newest ryan gosling feature it's been a minute since he's been on screen but he's back baby with a weird mustache uh also starring chris evans and anna de armas the gray man is a i think an adapted screenplay or a remake this has been done before right somebody's somebody's done this this I'm is an sure. older story uh, about the cia's most skilled operative whose true identity is known to nobody but then 
who accidentally discovers some dark secrets and, and some hitman played by Chris Evans or bad guy is like, well, we got to kill him. And so they have some whole face off. There's lots of running, lots of explosions directed by the Russo brothers, directors of Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Um, and this is their, not their first feature with Netflix. They've done a few action oriented films. And this one kind of looks like it's in the same vein. What's exciting is this is their biggest budget movie ever. It's the most money Netflix has ever put into a movie. And I'm looking for the budget number. Right. $200 million. $200 million I spent on the, <laughs> the Gray Man. And you, you know what? You know what? I want to know how much of that, that went to the writer. I tell <laughs> I, t- I tell you, I don't care about the stunts. I tell you what's great, uh, how well the Gray Man trailer plays right next to the Mission Impossible trailer, because it it just like it looks so much smaller. It looks so much smaller in scope, and and like Mission Impossible is not a billion dollar movie. Mission Impossible, uh, no, it's not. I'm not sure how much that costs to make, but I mean, it's just I don't I don't know where Netflix's money goes. This one looks all right, right? It looks a little like Red Notice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it just well, I don't know. It looks. A- so so we have you know um Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans as a spy versus spy, uh Anna Darmus also thrown in there as a spy as well of some sort. Of Again, course. big stunts. But th- this looks like a crossover between Mission Impossible and kind of Fast and Furious or some car stuff going on as as well. Uh I like those three, so I'll probably watch it, but it looks totally forgettable. And again, the biggest issue of most of these Netflix movies for me is is always the writing. Like the storytelling is usually really mediocre. They spend money on stars. They spend money on uh, special effects and, and action scenes and things like that. And they really kind of cheap out on the um, the writing process. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Netflix has not done a lot of marketing around the Gray Man. Uh, Twitter pointed out quickly, like a couple days after it came out, that they'd only released like two character posters, and then they found a third one on some site somewhere. And nothing about their star, uh, Roger Jean Page, who's the breakout star from the first season of Bridgerton, like who left that show because he's making a bunch of money. Like this is the first thing he's done since, and they have in no way advertised it. I guess I'm hoping they're going to advertise more for Gray Man because like Netflix's marketing is already really poor. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I just wanted to talk about this odd anomaly of a Netflix movie coming to you on July 22nd, and that is it for Trailer Park. Uh, if you if you see any, by the way, if you see any exciting trailers on the internet and travels, or you go to the theater and see something we haven't talked about, uh, send it to the show. Mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Write in, tell us what we need to talk about, and we'll talk about it. We will uh, read correspondence on the air, uh, assuming it's you know. Clean and family friendly. I'm kidding. We'll probably read it regardless of what it is. Lastly, uh, we need to get to our final review of the episode. I'm going to be taking the summary on this. So please excuse my clumsy delivery for the 1986 classic that, as far as I know, put Tom Cruise on the map. The movie is Top Gun. So Top Gun is the story of Pete Mitchell, uh, codename Maverick. At flight school, uh, he is a hotshot 24-year-old pilot and take no shit from nobody except for his, uh, you know, uh, wingman. He's a loose cannon. That's right. He rides behind him. That's right. God, God, yeah, he's great. Uh, Maverick and Goose uh, get accepted to the Navy's elite flight school out in California called Top Gun, where they are going to be training to be the best of the best fighter pilots in the world against the best of the best fighter pilots in the world. And once Maverick and Goose arrive at school, they discover that uh, there's some rivalries to be had with a, a very fun 
Val Kilmer playing Iceman and uh, a couple of jerk officers above him who think who think they're just they're they're too dangerous, Maverick. They're gonna, you're gonna get somebody killed, and maybe even a little bit of romance with Meg Ryan and uh, Kelly McGillis as Charlie. This is the 1986 film we're talking about. Top Gun Maverick comes out next week, and it's worth mentioning. Uh, I didn't know this. This movie was the highest grossing film of 1986. This movie bumped the Navy's recruitment for years. They saw a yeah. tremendous bump. <laughs> Apparently, the Navy was setting out booths outside of theaters to grab like excited dudes coming out and be like, hey, sign up to be a fighter pilot, kid. And it worked. Um, <laughs> my God, Top Top Gun was a really big deal. Oh, Top Gun uh, heralded in uh, VHS tapes. Uh, VHS tapes before Top Gun were about 100 bucks to buy at home. And Top Gun signed a deal with Pepsi to put Pepsi ads in front of the movie on the VHS tape because they made so much money from Pepsi. They had discounted VHS tapes and they made VHS tapes possible. Top Gun heralded in home media. This is a huge movie. This is a big deal. Top Gun was really big. Uh, and I'm excited that we're talking about it on the show. Andy, what do you think of Top Gun? Well, as you pointed out, it's definitely a propaganda machine. Uh, but <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, that, that it is. Yes. But uh, I mean, that doesn't mean it's not a, a classic film. And it, that's why I was glad we watched this because it's a classic piece of Americana at this point. It, one of the movies that that made uh, Tom Cruise risky business. He had done risky business before this, so he was he was already uh, up and coming and and well known. But it's I mean. I had never actually seen this all the way through. I'd seen bits and pieces because it used to come on cable all the time. Um, but yeah, it, it's got everything. You, you got action. You, you got romance. You, you got rivalries. You got, um, you got it all. That's right. And it's it's funny because it's it's really kind of cliche. Like, you know, there's a bunch of military uh, cliches that happen. It's really pretty predictable. But it it's what it is well made. It works really well. It's funny. It's it's clever. Um, there aren't any huge surprises. It's funny. I went back and read the Roger Eber review from 1986 and he was like, the action's great. Everything's great until people have to talk to each other. Um, so, so he like wasn't a <laughs> yeah. fan, but, but, but you can't deny like that. It was a, a huge crowd pleasing movie, easy to get in likable, uh, characters. Uh, again, it made a star of Kelly McGillis as well, who would also go on to make uh, things like witness with, uh, Harrison Ford. Um, it's a well-made movie, good action, kind of cliche characters. You do, like I said, you still do have to acknowledge it is a propaganda film, but that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't mean it can't be a good, good yeah. movie. Just important to acknowledge that. So there's a ton of IMDb trivia about Top Gun. If you didn't get that from my crack about the VHS tapes earlier. Uh, and apparently the production of this movie was pretty, pretty loose. Uh, it's directed by Tony Scott, brother of Ridley Scott. I was excited to find that out. Uh, Tony Tony Scott worked with directly with the U.S. Navy to get access to uh, F F-14s, fighter jets. Uh, uh, they 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 worked off an aircraft carrier off off the side of the, the coast at one point. Like they got a lot of stuff. They even got clearance to fire two F-15 missiles, which you see in the film. Wow. Um, that was it. That's all all they could get. But the Navy was like, yeah, we'll let you fire two, and you can film it. They 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 worked with Lockheed Martin to develop camera rigs that would go on the side of these planes so they could film stuff at fast motion and for the most part like it pays tremendous dividends in the action uh, often our, our actors are filmed in cockpits not always uh, but a bit um apparently a lot of people were getting sick on the set uh, when they were trying to film in cockpits so they didn't do that too much but uh a lot of like 
in your face, uh, like almost gonzo action, right? Like up there in the sky doing stuff. Uh, and that works really well in a lot of scenes. It also makes the editing, uh, frankly, frantic. There's a lot of cuts in here where I'm just like, I can't keep up with visually where the planes are in the sky in coordination with one another. It comes together pretty well, um, but it can, uh, you know, it, it, it makes it for like frantic action in, in the air that I don't think a lot of people were seeing in 86 that like felt real, right? Typically it'd be like matte painting or, it, you know, they'd, they'd kind of cheese it, but like Top Gun just felt so visceral at the time. Like, I think people just couldn't look away. You combine that with a brilliant rock soundtrack, uh, land, landed smack in the middle with uh, or grounded by, by Kenny Loggins danger zone. And also, uh, take my breath away <laughs> for the romance was played a lot in this movie. Um, and you get some real adrenaline in the seats, man. Like in '86, people weren't ready for this heat. It was coming in hot. Yeah, the uh, I could only imagine uh, how this might look in the big screen. Like I imagine a lot of fire fighter pilot stuff probably works really well. Makes it feel like you're, you know, in the plane, that sort of thing. It reminded me a little bit of of Dunkirk. Might be a more modern uh, version of that, of feeling like you're in, in the in the air, in the sky, like. Uh, in the plane. So it kind of feels like a ride. And yeah, you got a bunch of 80s macho-ness. Everyone's like chiseled out of st stone, yeah. not an not an ounce of flab on anyone. Uh, you got this. It's funny because I think this film was probably for its time, probably a little bit progressive. Uh, it's still kind of problematic in some ways. It was like Kelly McGillis is the, you know, she's an astrophysicist with a PhD and she's like one of the instructors at the flight school. But she's totally also like a hot teacher, you know, falls in love with a student uh, trope. So there's yeah. still like a whole bunch of male fantasy stuff going on. For sure. It's it's a very male-oriented film. And apparently in early scripts, like, uh, or at least Anthony Edwards, the, the guy who played Goose, said, uh, he said the script was like bare bones. Skeletal was the word he used. He said most of the humor came like day of, on set. Somebody would come up with something funny. Uh, in a couple scenes, like Tony Scott would come up with like a gag on the drive into set and be like, hey, Anthony, come over and play this piano or something, you know, like, or come over and do this. Or you guys are going to, you know, um, like that's where a lot of like the kind of moment to moment stuff comes from. And it makes a lot of those those actually those kind of down to earth talking scenes. They, they they just feel kinetic sometimes, but often they're just a little dull, like they, they, they're not really there. Kelly McGillis's character. Uh, is a development in the script. Apparently she was just like a total blonde American bimbo uh, in, in the early stages. And some, some had something at Paramount who was a woman, thank God stepped in. She was like, no, like you got to give her more character than just like, she's, she's just yeah. some, some hot chick at the bar who likes Maverick. Like, cause, cause that, that, that doesn't mean anything. So, so she kind of, they set her up as kind of a <laughs> rival. Was yeah. That part was reserved for Meg Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, Meg Ryan got that role big time. Uh, she's barely in here. Uh, hey, apparently uh, Anthony Edwards and Meg Ryan started dating after the movie, so good for good for Anthony. But, uh, yeah, Meg Ryan got, got real simple, not a great haircut. Meanwhile, uh, Kelly McGillis is, is, shows up as kind of an instructor at Top Gun, and, and that, that gives her a little bit of play against Maverick. That gives them a lot more interesting chemistry. Um, not enough though for the early cuts of the film because apparently they had to go back and film the sex scene at the end, uh, like in post because originally they didn't have it and people were like, "What? Do, come on, they don't even bang!" Like, <laughs> like <laughs> well, this isn't exciting. So you know, you know they had you to. Know the 
the the infamous or famous sex scene from this movie uh which is actually really short is the midpoint of the film it's like one of the highlights or the highest points of uh intensity um which i thought <laughs> was really kind of funny yeah there's... Uh, it's go ahead and it's funny that some of these iconic moments are actually super short that is super short and the uh the questionable volleyball scene is also like two minutes Yes. Yeah. The volleyball scene is just, is literally a game of two, two of doubles. Like it's, it's, it's Maverick Goose versus Iceman and his guy. And they, yeah, they play for like 30 seconds. And then it's like, all right, yeah, see you. But every, like for some reason, like it sticks out and everybody remembers it. And yeah, the, the, the sex scene has been spoofed in like everything from family guy to, to, I don't know, South park. Yeah. Like the sex scene's great. Um, it's super simple. I, I, yeah. They shot that like in minutes one day on set. And it was while, uh, it was, it was well after filming. So Kelly McGillis's hair was a different color. So that's why it's like, oh, bl- it's dark blue and black. You can't see anything. And Tom Cruise is filming Color of Money, so his hair was a lot longer. But you can't really tell because they shot like close up on the faces and they use the music and like it's artfully done. It got curtsed, got curdle curtsed. Right. Like you uniquely, like Top Gun, like it required this clever blend of like coordination with the United States Armed Forces to get access to all of this stuff. And also like real fast and loose, like cigarette smoking in the back alley filmmaking, you know, like just, yeah, we'll, we'll get out there and film that. Dude, Tom Cruise will say something funny, whatever. He's smart. Um, and it played so big, like it, it really works. Like the, 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 you know, the, the, some of those middle scenes are a little dull, but for the most part, like the rivalry between Maverick and Iceman is exciting. Top Gun seems like a cool school, cool, cool school. And even if like your characters aren't out fighting Ruskies or anything, you still get some really good action oriented scenes in their training and kind of these contests they have between one another. You get some guns, you get a couple missiles firing. Hell yeah, man. Top Gun. Yeah, it's the the politics of it are are very interesting because this would have been height of the Cold War, nineteen eighty six, uh, shot in the, in the preceding years. Uh, the Russians are never specifically named; they're just uh, you know they say the MIGs, and you see a red star, so that kind of references the, the Red Army or you know maybe even China at that point. Um, but they're very careful not to say Soviet or Russian or even Eastern, any of that. They're just like, oh, we saw two MiGs over the the Indian Ocean and, you know, and, and the MiGs, I guess. Are yeah, what the, there's the Russians four, four bogeys on my radar. Like, they never they never just say, you know. So they're very careful to not say anything specifically, but it's very obviously referencing the Soviets. It's funny, like, the things I didn't remember about this movie um, that I, I, I almost assuredly will not be relevant in, in Top Gun Maverick. I forgot there's, like, this whole little... This is, it, it's a little bit plot line where he talks about... Uh, Pete Mitchell, Maverick, talks about his dad, Duke Mitchell, who oh, right. <laughs> was, a, was a, a fighter in Vietnam, like, who was shot down over the, over the jungle or something. Like, and it's there's all a picture he looks at. Yeah, and I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, there's no way this is in Top Gun Maverick. I'm, I'm not going to catch Duke Mitchell in there, like maybe a photo in the background or something. But it seems like Maverick's going to be much more oriented towards uh, uh, Goose and his family in this one. I also forgot, uh, I think the character Miles Teller plays in Top Gun Maverick is in this movie because uh, you see Goose's kid a few times. He's like sitting on the piano when he's like playing in the bar and singing Great Balls of Fire. He's hanging out with Meg Ryan in a couple scenes. Um, so I don't know if they'll go back and use any of that old footage, but, um, that, that Maybe. kid is in the movie. So like, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. It's it, it's funny. I mean, as old as this, yeah, I think we can probably talk about spoilers. Uh, 
the movie takes kind of a hard left on going into act three with, with the death of goose in, in an accident. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> cause he's probably the, like, he's the comic relief. He's one of the most likable characters in, in the movie, a lot of laughs. And then it just takes a hard right. And I think it's trying to remind you that, you know, the, the, this is a very dangerous thing. There are stakes. Um, and it's kind of no one's fault that, that, that he, that he, that he he dies in kind of this weird like they lose control of the plane like he doesn't eject properly it all goes wrong yes during a training exercise yeah yeah uh but it, it's just kind of like oh i wasn't expecting <laughs> expecting that it gets real uh and then maverick doesn't know what uh, i don't know if i can ever fly again well we need you kid gotta get back right. up in the sky yeah and he gets back up there and he's like i can't i can't i can't do it and they're like damn it maverick you gotta get out there son like, this is, yeah this it's is, very this is what you mean by yeah. like back alley filmmaking where it's like they must have only had an <laughs> yeah. outline and like right, wrote yeah. the script like they, the night before yes like they, they, they had 20 yeah 23 year old tom cruise on set who hadn't really popped yet and they're just kind of put it but like it works, man. Like you get the good soundtrack, you get some exciting sunrises, and you get the, the the solid footage of the fighter jet stuff, and like you package it, and there you go. Like you got yourself an eighty sensation. Um, it's it's a little fast and loose, but it works. And I'm I'm I, I I've heard people say since it's Tom Cut Mavin's come back, I, I know some people who went back and watched this one, and they said it was like hokey. And like I don't I don't want to say it's hokey. I don't I don't know if that's the correct word for it. It's dated, you know. And I I think Top Gun Maverick will avoid a lot of those pitfalls it's probably going to yeah, be pretty pretty serious play pretty close to chess there was a beach yeah. scene of course with miles <laughs> teller playing volleyball or something but you know outside of that yeah it was really uh, it, it was cliche but i mean sometimes you can do cliche very well and and this is an example of that where the movie just hit and it even though you know he, he's a loose cannon but we need him uh <laughs> It, it 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 totally worked. There are you know some other problematic elements. Like I said, a lot of it is male fantasy. Uh, there are t- two women in the film, both uh, one of which is just uh, you know widowed wife and Kelly McGillis, who wh- while being an instructor, she's also you know falls in love with her student. There is almost zero representation. Uh, there is one black uh, fighter pilot who doesn't show up till Act Three. Um, so I that's where aviators are... in every single scene. I don't think you ever actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eyes. But to be fair, everyone's wearing their glasses all the time. Some, like you know, Iceman's inside the club with his aviators on. So, yeah. Like, it's um, also it's also a real sweaty movie. I don't know if I ever noticed that. Like, there's a lot yeah, of dudes no, sweating in this movie. Everyone's constantly sweating in, in each other's yes. uh, face. Yeah. There's what a whole bunch way? of literature yeah. about like the uh, you know homoeroticism within in the movie uh as well but yeah everyone's like dripping wet all the time yeah it's a lot of fun solid performances i should also say like a special mention for val kilmer as Iceman. uh according to imdb he did not want to do this movie but was contractually obligated uh and and thank god he did because it's one of his most iconic roles he's great in it uh yeah i I, he's he's rock solid really enjoyed michael ironside and uh where is his account i was gonna say maybe that's him yeah the, the principal from uh the principal from Back to the Future. The guy smoking a cigar in in, in the control room in, in this movie. Oh, like, oh, yeah. I can't I can't remember his name, but he's fantastic. <laughs> the, the, there's so yeah, there's so James many, Tolkien. Like, that's his name. James Tolkin. Yeah, yeah, God great. damn it, Maverick. Yeah, there's damn so it, much Maverick. of that. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> that that's what I imagine Tony Scott was doing, like just off screen. He was like sitting there with a c- cigarette, like cut. All right, yeah, perfect. We'll cut that in. You know, like just. 
just the, mo- the the most like gonzo movie making you know just just throw caution to the wind uh, and sometimes you come out with a hit I don't know. I'm sure there was more to it than that. Obviously, it's a lot of coordination to make a movie like Top Gun. But for what it's worth, uh, it stood the test of time. I, I think I understand why it was a big deal. Like uh, it, 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 it hasn't aged great now, just because yeah, it, it is dated. But I think Top Gun Maverick is going to bring a lot of people around. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be excited to go back and, and see what this one is. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? Andy well, I was going to say we we will be seeing it in glorious D box on, oh, on that's Friday. Weird. Yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know. $21 tickets. Yes, that's right. For those of you who don't know, this is a global show. Uh, you know, our local Cinemark movie theater has an option called D-Box, where you go beyond the screen for an additional, like, $18 per ticket. And you <laughs> sit in a seat that... Well, I've never done it. Andy, you've done it once. What, how, what is it exactly? Yeah, yes. So it's a little bit like a little ride. It, it's a seat. It's a little bit bigger. Um, they're red in in the Cinemark theaters, and they they do things like rumble. They they kind of move and twist. They shake, you know. So they, they give you like the 4D experience. You get sensory things that sync up with the film. I did this. I was really skeptical of this. I thought this was like a. I'm huge a little gimmick. skeptical, but you said it was right. Go ahead. So I did it with uh, Fast Nine. I saw it in this because uh, a friend of mine really wanted to see it in D box. I was like, okay, fine, we'll do it. Um, and it was actually a lot of fun. It's it's really cool. It's definitely worth it for certain kinds of movies, like a big action movie like this. It, it's going to be perfect. Um, but yeah, it, it it's you know it's a pre you pay a premium, but uh, you get a premium experience. I can't wait for Top Gun Maverick to rip my popcorn out of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that movie starts and I just get thrown straight back into the ceiling. Like I hope it is the most exciting bit of cinema uh, we see all year. I really do. Like I, I from from early reviews, it seems really positive. They're on track to make a ton of money, right? That's yeah. um, track it for a hundred million dollar opening. So. Good God, yeah. Top Gun Maverick might just be the movie of the summer, but for now, we need to get to recommendations. Andy, would you recommend 1986's Top Gun? Yeah, I would from a historical perspective. Uh, you know, it, it's an iconic movie. Was very culturally relevant in in the eighties. Uh, like you said, was affecting Navy re- recruitment for for several years. It made the it helped make the career of Tom Cruise and uh, Kelly McGillis very important film within uh, American cinematic uh, history. And it's it's a fun movie. Uh, it does have some issues and some uh, problems because of the time that it, it was made. But overall, uh, it, it's a fun time. Yeah, I'm firmly in the same camp. Top Gun's a ton of fun. I, you could throw this on. Your parents would like seeing it again. Uh, I, th- I think younger folks might be like, what is this hokey garbage? But it's young Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is uniquely still relevant. Um, you know, why not? Like, what better time to go back and see Top Gun than proceeding uh, leading up to or following uh, the screening of Top Gun Maverick. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. If you don't have Paramount, good news. <laughs> you watch it on Netflix. Thank God. Only for the next six days, though. So really? Oh, God. It. It, it comes off the day Top Gun Maverick comes out. What a bunch of... No, not, a little after Top Gun Maverick comes out. But that's... After the weekend, yeah. Mm, all right. Well, then, hey, uh, time clock's a ticking for you to go see Top Gun Maverick. Uh, or to, yeah. And and to see Top Gun on Netflix. That's That's the deal. And with that, uh, that about wraps our show. Andy, what are we watching next week? Well, as we just said, Top Gun Maverick, the sequel, uh, almost 40 years in, in the making. That's right. Uh, that, that comes out this Friday for the long Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it's probably going to be pretty big. Uh, some other notables are the Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, that comes out uh, this Friday as well. 
And then on HBO Max, in case you miss it in theaters, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore will be <laughs> all in all two hours, 20 minutes uh, of its glory will be available on HBO Max on May 30th. Um, so that's that's what's coming out this weekend. We're not sure what our second movie is going to be just yet. Maybe find something uh, streaming. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Andy suggested potentially Fantastic Beasts. It wasn't, wasn't like a hard press or anything. And I, I, I want to know what the runtime was because I, I just don't know if I can commit. Um, you you kind of want to see it, Andy? Are you? Yes, I am interested. Why? Because I, I think I'm the only person like following what's happened in each movie and want to see like, well, I just know what's happened in the first two. I want to see what, that, what happens. I guess. You, maybe you can give me a recap. Um not but now, not enough course, to have gone and see it in theaters. So yeah, I I don't recall enough about the plot of either two to really want to know what's going on next, especially because Catherine Waterson's not in it, so they completely dropped that plot line. I guess I, I don't know. I I, I do want to see Bob. <laughs> I was just say Catherine Waterson was like the hottest new actress for like three years. And, like, yeah, she for was a minute. In, yeah, she was in Fantastic Beasts one and two, and Alien Covenant. And then yeah, that's nowhere. right. I'm telling you, Jesse Buckley is like right on that cusp. She needs to yeah. hit it and then just ride over that, get her Oscar, and then tap out. That's that's the way to do it. Then you go do plays for the rest of your life. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I I I'm I'm iffy on Fantastic Beasts. We may we may end up watching it. I don't. I, I can't say my my wonderful formerly Harry Potter loving wife is going to want to go see that with me. But uh, Bob's Burgers movie, I do want to see. It's the week after. Uh, I think we might hold off and wait a week so we can fill out the calendar uh, the following week with Bob's Burgers and maybe Dave Cronenberg. But that's for future episodes. If you liked this episode that we did today, uh, the best way you could let us know that you liked it is to go to your favorite podcast distributor, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartMedia, wherever you're at. Tune in, CastBox, Deezer, CastFM, uh, and, and, you know, subscribe. Just subscribe to get new episodes of Offscript delivered straight to you every single Tuesday when we do them, except for this week, because that is a Wednesday. Uh, we're also on Facebook, where we live stream our show every Tuesday, unless it's a Wednesday like today. Uh, we're on YouTube, where we upload our live streams. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You can find us on all the usual social media platforms. You can give us a follow there. We're around. We do stuff. And you can check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com, for reviews, interviews, clips, and additional cool content also if you're subscribing leave us a rating and review which please please just 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 for us just for your boys here at off script we'd appreciate it yeah please uh we'd appreciate it it'd be very kind of you uh from all of us at off script the home of bold cinema i'm zach lewis and i'm dr draper thanks for watching <laughs>